Today, I, I do want to talk to you about spiritual growth, and I want all of us very seriously to consider where we are and to think about those things that, that we need to let go of, and in their place, of course, think about the things that we need to grab a hold of and embrace. That is the process of spiritual growth. It's an identification of the things that aren't right a letting go of them, and an embracing and growing in the things that are right in their place. And so I want to talk to you about this whole idea of growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and taking steps of spiritual growth. That truly is what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a faith community of people, of individual believers who take very seriously their walk with the Lord, who are growing who are letting go of sin and embracing righteousness and living in that. And when they fall, they continue to turn from the sin that comes up in their life and return to God. It's, it's a process that we never perfect in this life, but one that we need to continue in as we walk with the Lord and as we try to live a life that is pleasing to Him and that allows us to testify of His grace to the nations enabling us to make disciples of all the ethnicities. And so I just want you to really drive down deep today in your own heart, and I want you to think with me right now about things and the way they are in your life. Your thoughts, what are you thinking about? What is dominating your mind? Is it pure? Your words, what are you saying? Are they corrupt or are they undefiled and clean? What about your actions? How are you using your body, the temple, if you're a believer, the temple of the Holy Spirit? How are you using your body? What did you do last night? What did you do Friday? What did you do the days preceding that? And how did you use this temple that God has given to you? Was it used an activity that would bring honor and glory to God? Or was it used in an unclean way, one that brings shame? And maybe you walked in here today and you're feeling that shame in your heart as you came and we were worshiping together and singing these songs and you're like, whoa, something's wrong. I'm not living the way I should be living and I'm here in this gathering. Now what do I do? Well, let me encourage you, there's not one of us here that is living perfectly the way we should be living. Every one of us here, if we're a believer, we're a sinner who's been saved by grace, but we're still sinning. Hopefully we're growing and we're, we're having victory over sin, but there's no one here that is perfect. I've often wanted to post a sign somewhere on the church property, no perfect people allowed. So if you did come in here and you're feeling shame or maybe guilt, I want you to consider letting go of that today through repentance, confession of your sin, and embracing the restoration that God wants to give you and growing then in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. Today is for you if you are there, and I want you to embrace the opportunity that you have to do that. God truly will meet you where you are because he wants to take you where you should go. 
Spiritual growth, as someone said, is the process of becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. When we place our faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit begins the process of making us more like Him, conforming us to His image. Spiritual growth is perhaps best described in 2 Peter chapter 1, which tells us that by God's power, we have everything that we need to live lives of godliness, which is the goal of spiritual growth. Notice that what we need comes through our knowledge of Him, which is the key to obtaining everything we need. Our knowledge of Him comes from the Word given to us for our edification and growth. We find everything that we need, everything that pertains to life and godliness in God's self-revelation. And that is a critical place for us to begin today because I want you to just commit today with me to making the Scriptures your go-to, right? This is my go-to. The Word of God is my go-to. When I want to know what's wrong with me or how to fix what's wrong with me, I'm going to go to Scripture. I'm going to see what God has to say about it knowing that nothing is outside of his grace and that his grace is greater than my sin and that he's going to help me grow from sin to righteousness as I cooperate with the Holy Spirit. But I don't think we can emphasize enough that his word must be our go-to. And the reason I say that is because we are living in an age where there are a lot of other resources that become our go-to. We think about wanting to do better in a particular area in our Christian life. And often our default setting is, okay, I want to go find the book that everybody else is reading. Now, I love to read, and I read a lot in preparation for sermons and even for other things. I I read a lot of different things and a lot of different resources. And so I'm not saying that reading is a bad thing, but what I'm saying is we need to make the Scriptures our go-to. Why? Because not everything you read is going to be exactly as it should be. Not everything that everyone else writes is going to perfectly line up with Scripture. And the only way that we are going to be able to discern truth from error is if we know the truth well. I think we should be well-read. I think we should read resources. But that shouldn't be our go-to. Our go-to should be the Scriptures. It is the only thing written that we have that has this guarantee, that it contains everything that we need related to life and godliness. And found in it is the knowledge of Him, the one into whose image we need to be transformed. So we need to know the Scriptures. They need to be our go-to. We need to go there first. There are some helpful passages along these lines concerning spiritual growth. We go to Galatians chapter 5, and there are a couple of lists there, aren't there? Verses 19 through 21 list the acts of the flesh. Could we just go there for a moment? Turn back to Galatians if you're still in Ephesians, and let's go back to chapter 5. Let's go back to chapter 5. And let's just see here, beginning in verse 19. We have here a list of the acts of the flesh. These are the things that identified our lives before we came to Christ for salvation. This is who we were before we were a sinner saved by grace. Look at verse 19, Galatians chapter 5. The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, 
selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, those whose life is characterized by this way of living, will not inherit the kingdom of God. A believer cannot live this way. Now, a believer can commit these sins. But someone who does not know Jesus is someone who lives this way. Someone who consistently, without repentance, without reconciliation, without restoration, gives themselves to these things and things like them. Why do they do that? They do that because they are not regenerated, because they are not a believer. And the scripture is not saying that if you do these things as a believer, that you lose your eternal security and your salvation, and you now will enter into eternal damnation. That's not the teaching of the text. So I want you to consider today where you are as a believer, if you've trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the things that I just read. And there are other things like them, but these things here, the, the last three words and the like, include anything else that characterizes the old nature before regeneration. Did you find yourself in the list right now as you are living? In thoughts, in words, in actions, did you find yourself in the list? If so, the question then is, what are you by God's grace and through the enabling power of the Holy Spirit, what are you willing to do to change that today? What are you willing, what am I willing to do to grow out of that and into what verse 22 talks about? Look there, Galatians 5, verse 22. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us walk with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. These two lists are critical to understanding and knowing as we want to grow. As we experience spiritual growth, fewer and fewer acts of the flesh will be evident in our lives. The second list is the fruit of the Spirit, as we just read. These are what should characterize our lives now that we have experienced salvation in Jesus Christ. So spiritual growth then is identified by the fruit of the Spirit becoming increasingly evident in a believer's life. And notice as we read through this list in, in the Galatians uh, 5, verses 22 and 23, how many of those things have to do with the inner well-being and inner health of a believer? Why, is the, why are those things so critical? Because if those things are right, if we are focusing on God and our hearts are following after Him and we're loving Him with all of our heart, soul, and strength, and mind... And, and that is the basis of what's going on inside of us, then obviously the things that come out of us are going to be pure. But we can all walk around like hypocrites though, can't we? We can be full of dead men's bones on the inside and look really nice on the outside. And that's usually the way most of us present ourselves when we gather, isn't it? We want everyone to see 
our best side, right? How many of us came here this morning and say, I just want to make sure that everybody I come in contact with today is not impressed with me? Anybody come with that attitude? No, duh. We want you to be impressed with us. We want you to think everything is okay with us. We want to put on as good of a front as we possibly can. So we're good at that. But who are we when no one else is around? When our parents aren't there, young people. When our spouse isn't there. When the pastor, the elders, the deacons, or whoever isn't there. Who are we? Are we characterized by the fruit of the Spirit or the acts of the flesh? You see, when the transformation of salvation takes place, spiritual growth begins. The Holy Spirit indwells us, John 14. We are new creatures in Christ, according to 2 Corinthians 5. And the old sinful nature begins to give way to the new, the Christ-like nature, like Romans chapter 6 and 7 talk about. Spiritual growth is a lifelong process that depends on our study and application of God's Word. That's what 2 Timothy 3 is all about, verses 16 and 17. And then our walk in the Spirit is critical, like we have read in Galatians 5. As we seek spiritual growth, we should pray to God and ask for wisdom concerning the areas that He desires us to grow in. We can ask God to increase our faith and our knowledge of Him. And God desires for us to grow spiritually, and He has given us all we need to experience spiritual growth. With the Holy Spirit's help, we can overcome sin and steadily become more like our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to talk to you about these things for a few moments, and then I want to end with some practical thoughts that I hope will be helpful to you in putting all of this stuff, most of which, if not all, we already know. But how do I make it practical? So we're going to talk about that today as we consider embracing continual renewal and growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus. So spiritual growth. The first thing that we want to talk about today is that spiritual growth is the product of saving faith. Spiritual growth is the product of saving faith. You can't really have spiritual growth until the spiritual lights have been turned on. And the only way that we can fully understand the scriptures and know what they are saying is if we've been regenerated. Then the Holy Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we are God's children. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We are then able to understand things that used to be foolish to us, and now we can discern them and understand them and apply them. But the only way that happens is through the illuminating power of the Holy Spirit, who only indwells us upon our belief. We don't have access to that understanding, and we don't have the experience of the Holy Spirit illuminating us inwardly until we come to saving faith. So beginning there is critical. Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Why? For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus uh, and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You have already heard about this hope and the message of truth, the gospel that has come to you. It is bearing fruit and growing all over the world, just as it has among you since the day you heard it and recognized God's grace in the truth. We drop down to verses 9 and 10. For this reason also, since the day we heard this, we haven't stopped praying for you. We are asking that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, 
so that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. All of this growth that's talked about, all of this increase of the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, all of this fruit that is talked about is all contingent on what was talked about in the first few verses, that they had come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that they had believed the gospel. I had someone tell me recently that I preached the gospel a lot. And uh, they didn't say it in the most complimentary way. Uh, I think we ended well. But listen, you say, why do you preach the gospel so much? Well, I want to tell you something that happened this morning. We had a a family here this morning who uh, had come last week, and and, uh, they've come now for a few weeks. They're new to Jenison. And uh, I was talking with them uh, before the 8.30, and they said to me, they said, you know, we've been visiting a lot of churches over the last two years. We've been to a lot of them in the area. We've been all over the area visiting churches, trying to find a place where we feel that we belong, that we can call home. And one of them said to me, they said, you know, this is the only church that we visited in two years where we didn't just hear about Jesus, but we learned how we could know Jesus. That was something to me. I thought, wow, that's an interesting statement. So I think we need to proclaim the gospel. I don't think we can proclaim it enough. And I think we need to make sure that people who are attending our our gatherings understand the gospel and have truly believed the gospel. Because I believe this, I believe that churches are full of people today who do not have a relationship with Jesus and don't know the first thing about the change and the growth that we're talking about. Because we've cheapened and watered down the gospel so much that it's not even the gospel anymore. So that's why we preach the gospel. And that's why we will continue to preach the gospel and encourage you to convince others about this ministry of reconciliation that you have from God so that they too will be persuaded to exercise their responsibility of belief and trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. That's why we're here. That's the beginning of growth. It's the beginning of making disciples, and we can't emphasize it enough. It must be all central to what we're doing. So we grow as a result of saving faith. That's when the process can begin in our life. Secondly, we'll point something else out that we all know, but this growth is facilitated by submission to God's Word by knowing and understanding truth and allowing it to do a work in our hearts. Look at 2 Timothy 3. You know these verses. Scripture, all of it, is given by inspiration. It's God-breathed. It's inspired by God. And it's profitable for the teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness to the end result that the person of God, the man of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. There is this growth process that as we submit to the the teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness that the Word of God contains for us, we can grow and we can be complete, mature. That's another word for mature. We can be equipped for every good work. So the Scriptures facilitate our growth. Well, we go to James 1. It talks about the same thing. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man looking at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. 
but the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but one who does good works, this person will be blessed in what he does. All right, we read through a list of some really ugly things back in Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 19. And I asked you if you found yourself in that list in any way. Okay, if you did, what are you going to do about it? Are we going to think about it here in this gathering and go, oh yeah, I really should stop this. I really should change my heart and change my motivations and I really should stop doing this and feel maybe even a sense of conviction. But when we hit that door and get to the parking lot in our car and leave, are we still going to remember it? Or are we going to forget about it? Will we remember what we saw in the mirror of God's word and submit to it and have a plan to actually change? Or are we just going through the motions by being here today because going to church is what church people do? I hope it's more than that for us. And I hope that we will find a way to remember what we hear from God today and to embrace the change that he wants to bring about in our lives. Otherwise, we're all wasting our time and we shouldn't even show up here because we're making a mockery of what God wants to do. It doesn't make any sense to come here and hear God's word and leave and not remember what you've heard. It makes no sense at all. It's completely flying in the face of why we gather. So think about it. Will God's word facilitate lasting change because we remember what we saw, we remember what we heard, and we take steps toward growth for the glory of God? And maybe you need help with that. You might be into something really deep today. It it, it could be true of, of, of several people who are here today. You say, man, I'm in so deep. I don't know where to turn. I don't, this, this thing, whatever it is I've allowed in my life, has such a tight grip on me, and I know it's going to destroy me if I keep allowing this in my life, but I just don't know how to break free. Well, there are a lot of people here today who will help you. Your pastors will help you. Your elders and deacons will help you. Other people who are mature in the faith, whether they have a position of leadership or not, are here to help you. And by the way, God is going to help. And he will receive you just as you are. He will heal that wound. He will, he, will, he will certainly provide for that brokenness and make it whole again. But the choice of all of that starting really is yours. It really is. You don't accomplish the work. The Spirit does. But you have to cooperate with the Spirit. You have to decide that enough is enough today. And that you're going to stop. And you're going to get the help with whatever it is you need to stop. And you're also going to get the help with whatever it is you need to put in place of what you're stopping. Don't waste this opportunity. For some of you that are here today, would you consider this with me? This may be your last opportunity. You ever consider that? It may be your last opportunity to respond to God's call for you to change and turn from your sin. You may not get another opportunity. This might be it. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow or even the next five minutes. Don't waste this opportunity. Don't squander it. Don't respond with pride and bristle. Submit to Scripture. Let it change you. Number three, this spiritual growth is stunted when we give into 
the flesh. So we can come to a passage like 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh. I couldn't talk to you as those who were spiritually mature because you're walking in the flesh. You're babies in Christ. You're not progressing and growing. Verse 2, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, because you were not ready for it. In fact, you are still not ready. You sense the frustration in, in Paul? Because you are still fleshly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and living like unbelievers? For whenever someone says, I'm with Paul, and another, I'm with Apollos, are you not unspiritual people? They were stunting their growth because they were walking in the flesh instead of walking in the spirit. They were supposed to be mature people who could handle solid food, but Paul had to give them milk because they were giving into the flesh too much instead of walking in the spirit, and they were stunting their growth. That's what happens. We, we don't just stop. We actually move backwards. How many of you know that? You, you've allowed sin in your life, and man, it's hard to get that ground back, isn't it? In fact, the more you allow it to live there and the more you allow it to dominate your life, the harder it is, especially with life-dominating sins that are addictive. And some of you that struggle with that, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's not, you don't just stay static and neutral. You're moving. You're either moving forward for the glory of God and walking in the Spirit, or you're moving backwards for your own satisfaction because you're walking in the flesh. How many of you had a test this week where you were faced with an opportunity, I'm either going to walk in the Spirit or I'm going to walk in the flesh? Anybody have a test like that that just really came? Can I share a story? I had a test and uh, my family will know exactly what I'm talking about because we had to deal with it a little bit this morning. But, uh, and uh, the man who, who helped me with all this is here this morning. So we'll see how this goes. But we bought new appliances. Anybody bought new appliances recently? Anybody do that? Isn't that just a horrible experience? Okay. So uh, they always get you, you know, it's, it's, it's the right time because you're going to save money and you're going to buy these things and, and all this. Great, great. So love to have them. But what has to happen first? You got to take the old stuff out, right? Well, just know that I'm not the one that you want doing that. Okay. I, I know very little about it. I'm not the right one. So as I bought these things and I was elated that we're going to get these new appliances, you know, they're stainless steel, fingerprint resistant and all this stuff. And they look really cool. As I was walking out of the store with my wife after, after we bought these things, I'm like, oh no, I got to get rid of the old ones now. What am I going to do? Because I don't know how to do this. I really, I really don't know how to do it. And never had the experience of working with plumbing for the dishwasher and getting it out. You know, I see the microwave hanging above the stove, but I have no idea how it stays there. None whatsoever. Don't even... I'm just telling you, you don't want me dealing with this stuff in your home. You just don't. And nobody wants me dealing with it. So, glad you're still awake back there. So, uh, I'm looking at this, and a man in the congregation, his name came to my mind. I'm like, that guy can do anything. So I call him. I'm not going to call his name. He's here this morning. So I call him. I say, hey, will you help me do this? Oh, yeah, we'll do it. He didn't even hesitate. And so he comes over and everything went beautifully. It didn't take hardly any time at all, it seemed like, to get all these. We were replacing everything. So we're pulling the refrigerator. I didn't realize how heavy those things were. Pulling the refrigerator, and we're pulling the stove out, the microwave, and the dishwasher. So we get all that out. Everything's great. And uh, we've already 
uh, sold a couple of the appliances, so I only got two now in the garage. And I, I was just talking, I, I may have mentioned it to my wife, how pleased I was that everything was going so smoothly. Mistake number one, okay, mistake number one. So what happened? Well, that water line that connects to the dishwasher decided to start leaking. Some of you are like, yep, that happens. That, well, again, I'm like, what do I do with this? So I thought, well, maybe if I tighten it a little more, you know, that'll stop it. Well, it actually started to maybe run a little faster when I did that. I'm like, that's, yeah, that's wonderful. So my pride kept me from calling anybody. I thought, no, I'm just going to deal with this. This is my house. I'm going to deal with this. So I, we find this uh, bowl, right? And we decided to put it under there. And it's like, yeah, that's going to be fine. It's not really leaking that, that quickly. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So uh, we empty the bowl last night before we go to bed. And I get up this morning. And the bottom cabinet under my sink is full of water. So I'm like, oh, man. So I was faced with a test. And, and I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure I passed the test because I, I can't even tell you what I was thinking, let alone what I said, okay? So I'm looking at this, and I'm just going, this really stinks, this mess. And, and let me just say something to you. It all happened before I had my first cup of coffee, okay? So maybe you'll give me a little bit of a break for that, but... I'm looking at this situation, and it was a moment in time where I had a decision to make. Am I going to walk in the Spirit? Am I going to grow through this? Or am I going to take steps backwards because I don't practice self-control at the level that I should, right? And all of us are faced with stuff like that. Sometimes it's more serious than a leaky valve under your sink, right? I get it. But even in that moment, and every challenge that happens, and everything that happens, we have a choice to make. So I shared this story this morning, and you're going to like this. Here's what I get from one of our, uh, from one of our guests who were here, this, one of our people who were attending this morning. They sent me a, in my text, but how to fix stuck water shutoff valves. So here you go. I guess they wanted me to learn my lesson. But uh, something silly like this, though, brings home a point that every time we're tested, whether it's something silly like this or even something more serious, we have a choice to make. Are we going to give in to the flesh? Or are we going to walk in the Spirit and grow? If we give in to the flesh and don't practice that biblical self-control that's talked about in the fruit of the Spirit, then we're taking steps backward and we will have ground that we have to retake in our walk with the Lord. So let's not stunt our own spiritual growth. Number four, this spiritual growth is nurtured by listening to those in spiritual leadership. Now be careful with this. I'm not suggesting that people in spiritual leadership are perfect, or that they know everything. But Jesus gives to the church certain gifts, and I want you to see this. We'll go to Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And he personally gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Why did he give these gifts to the church? For the training of the saints in the work of the ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into a mature man with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Then we will no longer be children tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness and the techniques of deceit. So why do we have pastors and teachers and evangelists today in the church? And why did he give apostles and prophets before? Why do we have all of this? Why do we have these gifts? 
because they are disseminating truth. They're supposed to be. They're supposed to be teaching us and training us so that we can become mature and that we would measure ourselves by Christ's fullness. He's the standard, and we're growing up into Him, not unto a leader, a spiritual leader in the church. That's not who we grow up into. We grow up into Christ, a stature that's measured by Christ's fullness, and we are growing in Him. But people that have been given to the church are gifts for this purpose, to help us grow. So I want you to consider, as you hear things, being given from here, from this platform, from a Sunday school class, from a life group, from your Bible study or whatever you're doing and wherever you're getting truth from Jenison Bible Church or anywhere else, are you accepting that and allowing those who are teaching you to have an impact in your life because you're allowing that truth that's being communicated to nurture your own spiritual growth? What do you do when we're talking? When those of us who teach are teaching, are you focused? Are you employing means and methods that will help you to retain what you're hearing? Or is your experience different? Let me just encourage and even challenge you in that way. Finally, this spiritual growth that we're talking about evidences itself through a proper understanding of God's Word and an ability to communicate it to others. I want to share with you along these lines Hebrews chapter 5, beginning in verse 12. Although by this time you ought to be teachers, the writer of Scripture says, you need someone instead to teach you the basic principles of God's revelation again. You need milk, not solid food. Now everyone who lives on milk is inexperienced with the message about righteousness because he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature. For those whose senses have been trained to distinguish between good and evil. So if I'm growing, it means that my understanding of God's Word is increasing and that I have the ability then to take what I've learned and share it with others. Now, you may not stand up here and deliver a message. That's not the point. The point is you're having an impact in the lives of other people because you have learned the truth yourself and you're growing in it, and you're able to understand it and also use it to help other people, however God leads you and provides for you to do that. This is a sign that you're growing, that you're not an infant, that you're not drinking milk, but that you've graduated to solid food or the meat of Scripture, and you are able to do this. It is an evidence. There are other evidences. We can't list all of them today, but this is one that is critical and important for us to consider. Now, let me share with you some practical things, and then I'm going to ask the worship band to come, and we're going to have a time of consecration. If you need to turn from sin, if you need to repent, you need to pray with somebody, Pastor Stephen and I will be here. We will pray with you and for you, and we're just going to have an opportunity for us to do business with God at the end of our time. But let me share these practical things. Remember this as you consider spiritual growth. Spiritual growth is our responsibility. We don't accomplish it. We don't work it out, but we cooperate with the Spirit, and we have to decide to cooperate with the Spirit, and there are decisions that we have to make. Self-control is one of the parts of the fruit of the Spirit. That involves us being decisive and us committing ourselves to a process. So it is a responsibility. We are involved. It's not like we're robots. We are involved in this. Number two, 
We need to find our weaknesses or our triggers. What are they? Do you know what they are? Have you even thought about that? What causes me to stumble? Where do I go that causes me to stumble? What do I do that causes me to stumble? What is my spiritual weakness or weaknesses? What are those things? And what can I do to address them so that I walk in the Spirit and not the flesh? Some of us need accountability. In fact, all of us do. Can we invite someone into our life then as a coach or a mentor or an accountability partner that we give access to, that we will make ourselves vulnerable to because we trust them, that we invite them in to speak truth into our life, to tell us what we need to hear, not just what we want to hear. We need to invite that person in to help us in our journey. And along with that comes a lot of feedback We need to invite people to tell us the truth. How many of us love truth? Hopefully everybody. How many of us still love truth when it hurts, though? And how do we respond to people when they wound us with the truth out of love? Because that happens, doesn't it? We need to embrace that. It's not fun. It's not on your top five list of things to do every day. But when it happens, you need to embrace it. That pain will help you grow. By the way, Someone who loves you enough to wound you with the truth is a friend worth having. You need to surround yourself with friends like that and embrace those opportunities. Someone else came up with this. I love this and included it in the list today. They put it this way. They said, you want to grow spiritually? Work at the edges of your ability. Here's what they wrote about it. If you really want to grow spiritually, you can't stay where you are comfortable. Remember the story of Peter walking on the water? Peter was comfortable sitting in the boat, but stepping outside onto the water required greater levels of faith and trust, and that's where the growth happened. In a similar way, God may be calling you to greater levels of love or justice or faithfulness or anything, but you will only realize this growth by living at the edge of your faith where you are least comfortable. I like that. Work at the edges of your ability. Don't stay in your comfort zone. Allow God to take you outside of that as he's trying to grow and stretch you. I'll close with a story. I used to be terribly afraid of heights, and it was a crippling thing for me. There were certain things I just refused to do because I was so afraid of heights. And while I was in college, I decided I was going to work on that. And so the best way that I could figure out how to work on that was I had a roommate who was a pilot. He flew small planes, and I thought, you know what? If I went flying with him and I made myself do it, I could probably conquer my fear of heights. So I told him, I said, hey, man, I said, I want to start flying. He would fly from Watertown, Wisconsin, to Rockford, Illinois, and back. And not nonstop, but we'd stop, do lunch, and go back to Watertown. So I thought, I'm going to start flying with him. He was doing a lot of uh, solo flights, and I thought, he's got room in the plane. I'll just go with him. So I told him that, and then I made the mistake of telling him I was afraid of heights, and that's why I was doing it. So I'm on the first flight with him, right? And we we fly out, and I mean, my stomach is going all over the place, just getting in that plane, just kind of contemplating what's coming. We start taxiing out, and I'm getting worse. And we get on that runway, and we start going, and I mean, I'm just a wreck. And we start to lift off the ground, and it continues to get worse, and we get up, and it finally starts to level out a little bit, and kind of feeling good, and like, oh, maybe I can do this. I finally opened my eyes, okay, because up to that point, they were closed. And I'm like, oh, man, I don't know if I should have done this or not. 
But the longer I did it, the more comfortable I became with it. We're into this flight. We're probably halfway between Watertown and Rockford. And this guy decides to take the thing straight up and straight down, just out of nowhere, because he knew I was afraid of heights. Oh, man, that just undid all the progress that I had made, you know. Eventually, I did get over the fear of heights because of flying with him, but not during that flight. So we get to Rockford and we land, and he gets called into the authorities' office, and they want to know, why did you do that? That was not on your flight plan. Did something happen in the air? And so I got the last laugh on that one because he got called on the carpet, and you do that too many times, you could lose your pilot's license. So what am I saying? I'm saying, allow yourself to grow. Stretch yourself. Go to the edges of your ability or even the edges of your faith and trust God. Put yourself in situations where you have to trust God and overcome those weaknesses. Allow God to grow you into what he made you as an individual believer to be and trust him with that. 